Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything, from T-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets, and of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days. Like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection, or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code staple two zero. Hey everyone, this is Stephen James from Project Life Mastery. And today we're going to talk about how to stop comparing yourself to others. And I'm going to make an attempt to dive into the root cause, the core reason that I believe why we compare ourselves to others. And most importantly, how to be free from that. How to no longer get caught up in this dynamic where you see someone else and you perceive as them having a better life than you. You perceive them as more superior than you. You perceive them as having more money than you, more success than you, more resources than you, better looking than you, or higher status than you, whatever it might be. And then you having this most often unconscious reaction that most people are not even aware of where it makes you feel less than, insignificant, not enough. It triggers an insecurity within you or you become jealous or maybe you put up a wall and you become judgmental towards that person to try to bring them down. It's one of the ways that people feel better about themselves is they criticize someone else and they use a lot of assumptions about why that person is more successful than they are, why they have a better life than them. And they say, oh, well, that person's probably just lucky or came into a lot of wealth, their parents were wealthy or have good genetics or whatever it might be. Most often people criticize and become judgmental and make these assumptions without having all the information because it's a way to bring that person down and it provides a reason or a justification why in comparison, they're not less than, they're not insignificant and why you can still feel good about yourself. So bring other people down so that you can bring yourself up or at least protect yourself and avoid the pain of feeling less than in comparison to someone else, which is most often very unconscious. You see it every day on the internet. When you scroll through comments, you see people criticizing, being judgmental. You see people reveal their insecurities. You feel, you see them reveal their psychology and their model of the world most often just in how they express themselves in the comment section. So I could give you just a superficial response and I could give you the surface level uh, that will help you address the symptom, but not the root. And, just to get that out of the way, I think one simple thing that you could do if you no longer want to be triggered and feel less than or insignificant or whatever the reaction is, is really just use the technique of out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. Meaning if you don't see it, you're not going to have that reaction. So if there's certain people that you follow on social media, Instagram, YouTube, whatever it might be, and that person, when you see their posts and you see their life and you see what they share, and that makes you feel a certain way, then the simplest way to address at least the symptom of that is to unfollow that person. To look at it as, you know what, 
I don't have a grasp on this. I'm just, you know, feeling, you know, insecure and not enough. And I'm having this response within myself. So I just need to take a break from following this person. But you have to recognize that it's not them. It's not them. That person's living their life however they want to live it. That person is living their life. They're creating success. They're creating abundance. Amazing for them. Good for that person. And there's obviously countless people out there on the world, especially with social media, where you're going to find people that are going to live their life the way they want to live it. So you can't control that. You can't control how other people are going to live their life. But what you can control is how you respond to it. And that requires a different level of emotional maturity and development. And we'll kind of dive into that in terms of the psychology of it. But you can't stop that. And so the only thing you can do in that circumstance to free yourself from that suffering is just to unfollow that person. Just unfollow them, take a break from it, you know, focus more on your own world, your own life, your own well-being, uh, surround yourself with positive influences in your life so that you can feel good about yourself and better about yourself. You know, and uh, just kind of focus on that until you're in a more secure place where you feel that you can reintroduce those sort of things and no longer have that reaction. Because I think the most developed and mature and most conscious reaction that one could have and ideally should have when other people are living their life in a certain way, um, especially one of abundance, success, you know, all of that, is instead of feeling less than and being triggered to feel insecure, you should actually genuinely feel happy for that person. You should actually feel happy for them. Wow, that's a human being out there that is an example of what's possible. You know, they are living their life and they look like they're happy. So instead of trying to come up with judgments and assumptions to try to find that chink in the armor and bring them down, oh, they're not really happy, oh, that's all fake, you know, coming up with something that, why not instead just feel genuinely happy for that person? You know, that's what a secure person, I believe, would do and respond if they saw that. You know, instead of assuming the worst and trying to bring them down, they assume the best. Wow, that person's, you know, really living their life in a great way. They're happy. They're abundant. They're joyful. Do we not need more examples of that in the world? You know, do we not need more references and role models of people that are living their life in an incredible way and actually feel happy for them? And actually, I believe that when you see someone else that has something that you want, whether let's say it's a nice car and you are judgmental towards them, you send some form of negative energy towards them, jealousy or anger, or, you know, there's some people obviously that can have a nice car and, you know, people, you know, vandalize their car, they key their car, they scratch it, you know, or they throw something at the car because they do not like rich people. You know, there's a segment of people in the world that hate people that are wealthy, hate people that have more than they have. But the problem with that is that if you're sending negative energy towards something that you want, you know, you perhaps aspire to have that level of abundance or happiness or that great relationship or uh, the re those certain resources, whatever, as long as you're sending negative energy towards that, you're ensuring that you can never have that because you're creating an association to that that you'll never become that. You'll never aspire and create and manifest that in your life if you're sending negativity towards it. So if instead what you should do is that if there is someone else out there that has something that you want and something that you desire, instead you should bless them. You should start blessing that of which you want. When you see someone has what you want, oh wow, that's an example of what's possible. Oh wow, that person's expanding the possibilities for myself in my life. If they can create that in their life, then that means that I can too. That person's a human being, I'm a human being, we share the same nervous system. 
right? If that person can do it, that also means that I can too, because what one man or woman can do, another man or woman could do, you just have to model them. You have to learn from them. You have to take on this similar beliefs or strategies or way of thinking about things, the same habits, behaviors, and you can also create what they've created as well. So if you bless them and send positive energy towards them, then you're more likely to attract that in your life. So that's another way of looking at things that perhaps can make a shift in your model of the world when you do see other people that have what you want, instead of having a negative response or an insecure reaction, have one of blessing them, feeling happy for them, feeling grateful for them, feeling inspired by them. You know, um, that again requires an abundance mentality, a secure, a secure way of being rather than this scarcity mentality of feeling less than, there's only so much, and you know, trying to bring that person down, it's just toxic and it's not healthy. And ideally, that's why we want to address the root. So again, simple strategy, out of sight, out of mind, a great way to address the symptom of that. Now, there's many reasons why uh, this root cause of why we can compare ourselves to other people exists. And I'll explain a few of them here for you. Obviously, you know, one could just be conditioning. You know, you could have had certain experiences throughout your life and your childhood where perhaps your parents uh, compared you to your siblings or compared you to someone else. And I remember for me, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, uh, I used to work in the family business with my dad and my dad had very high standards. He was very strict and he was very critical of things. He wanted things to be done a certain way. And most often he would criticize me or my brother and sister, but he would often compare us to other people's kids. And, you know, for example, he would see his friend and his friend's kids he would perceive are really well behaved or hardworking or there's certain qualities that his friend's kids had and he would often say well look at you know why can't you be more like this person's kids or why can't you be more like them right so that is something that if you've experienced that throughout your childhood that can create a belief system in you that can create a limiting belief it can create insecurity you can create this pattern within yourself where you are now kind of brought up in this dynamic where you're starting to compare yourself because of what's been ingrained in you throughout your childhood. You know, and of course that can happen in many different circumstances. It can happen in school. You know, you study for a test and you get a C and then your friend got a B or an A. And because we have this system of measurement and judging human beings, their intelligence or their level of preparation or their level capacity to do something, it kind of creates this dynamic of comparison. And obviously you get rewarded and you know through, throughout school and through your parents, throughout your peers. If you get an A and if you get less than a certain grade, you feel bad about yourself. You feel less than. You feel like you, you know, you're not smart enough or whatever it is. And so that is also something that can be conditioned in us in a young age just through the dynamic of going through school. Now you might think you know, that can actually be helpful. That can actually be useful. And to some extent it is because, you know, having this comparison model can be some way for us to feel bad about ourselves if we, you know, didn't live up to a certain standard, you know, or up to a certain grade, let's say. We feel less than, we feel insecure, and therefore the ideology of this is like, well, that then should motivate you, that should inspire you, that should, you know, be a wake-up call for you that, you know, you need to work harder, you need to get a better grade, you need to try harder, you need to you know, X, Y, and Z so that you can get better results. So it 
most often can be used in a way that can help you perform better, that can help you grow more. But the problem with it is still this dynamic of suffering that comes with it. Meaning, is there a way that you could actually perform better and get great results without comparing yourself, without feeling less than and insignificant and insecure? You know, is that really the most conducive way of doing it? Using pain as punishment, when instead we should use pleasure for reinforcement. Whenever you study human behavior and you study positive reinforcement, whether that's developing animals or human beings, positive reinforcement actually lasts longer, it's more effective than using pain using this, you know, you're not good enough. And that's most often, by the way, the intention, I think, from our parents or from the school system or whatever it is, it's a positive intent. It's a positive intent where they want you to become more. They want you to grow. They want you to do better. So I understand the intent of it, which is a positive one. But I do question whether or not it is the most useful, and especially in this world that we live in today, where that uh, mechanism of comparison is most often exploited because of the dynamic of social media. Because now, you know, there's, you know, like, oh, let me kind of go into now another kind of reason why I think this occurs is because human beings, we lived in tribes and comparing yourself to other people is actually useful because in a tribe, uh, in order for human beings to survive, let's say thousands and thousands of years ago, you need to elevate your status amongst the hierarchy of other men or women amongst the tribe that you're in. So the higher status you are, the more, let's say for a man, the more alpha that you are, and you exhibit those qualities and those traits, then it ensures a higher probability of the survival of not just yourself, but also for your offspring, right? And you're more likely to mate with a man or woman that also has great genetics, you know, a great woman with great genetics will choose you and choose a man of higher status as well, a protector, a provider, a leader, and exhibits, again, those high status attributes. And the reason why we want to mate with that and to procreate is to ensure that we have strong offspring. And, you know, we want to pass on those strong genetics. And it's kind of the survival of the fittest model where, you know, those with um, the strongest genes are the ones that go on to survive. And those that are the weakest genes, nobody wants to procreate with and you get weeded out by evolution. Very cruel, but that's kind of more the animalistic survival aspect of human beings that's been around and ensure our survival for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Now, if you're in that tribe, it can be useful to compare yourself. It, could be, it provides a reason for you to elevate your status and Part of that animal brain is you're competing with other people in the tribe to elevate your status amongst the hierarchy. So it could be useful in that context of survival. You know, you can acquire more resources and therefore it provides more options and opportunity for potential mating partners. And that ensures better, you know, uh, quality offspring that will be strong and be able to continue to carry on your lineage, you know, carry on your genetic code uh, for on and on and on. So there's that kind of unconscious animalistic survival aspect that I think exists there as well. Um, and the problem with that though, and you know, we have this, it's part of our ego, I believe, which is that animal part of ourselves. The challenge with that is now we live not just in small tribes, but now we live in a global environment where we're all on social media and now we're not just being exposed to like 
the 30 people, the 50 people, the 100 people that are in our community, now you're being exposed to billions of people around the planet. And guess what? Because there's millions and billions of people on this planet and on social media, um, you're always going to be able to find someone that has more than you. They're always going to find someone who's younger than you, better looking than you, someone who's younger than you and is more money than you and a better life than you, somebody that you know, has uh, you know, a more attractive partner than you, a better body than you, uh, you know, someone who's happier than you, someone that has more homes than you, more cars than you, whatever it is, no matter what level that you get to, there's always going to be someone that has more than you. you know? And so the problem with the comparison model and dynamic is that you suffer from it, but it's not sustainable because you're always going to find someone with more than you. And if, as long as you're going to feel insecure and less than when there's someone that has more than you, then you're always going to feel miserable. You're always going to feel like you're not enough. You're always going to feel insecure. So um, that can be problematic. And, you know, it's kind of one of the reasons why human beings were still kind of adapting, I believe, to this new world that we live in. You know, the internet is still a new technology that's revolutionized our lives. We were all born, uh, at least for most of us watching, in the day and age where the internet was also born in our lifetime. And so that's pretty incredible. And we still don't know the effects that this can have on our psychology and our well-being and our development as human beings. But it's not how our brains have been hardwired and programmed and evolved into for thousands and thousands of years, which has been living in smaller tribes and not being exposed to so much variety of different human beings and belief systems and all that sort of thing. So I think that animal survival part of ourselves is being triggered um, that we all have to some level by, by this dynamic of this world that we live in with social media. So let me now switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about uh, something called human need psychology. Now, this is something I learned from, from Tony Robbins. Uh, Tony Robbins, this is one of the most valuable things that I've learned from him. So if you want to learn and go deeper into this, I recommend go to one of his seminars if you have an opportunity to. Unleash the Power Within is his most basic seminar that you can do. And you'll learn more in depth about human needs psychology. But I'm going to explain it to you here so that you can understand how this relates to comparing ourselves to others. So we all have six human needs. And these are needs that are inherent in all human beings. So we all find ways to meet these needs, at least the first four, because the first four needs are the needs of the personality. They're survival-based needs. The last two needs are the needs of the spirit. Not everyone meets those last two needs, but they're essential for our happiness and fulfillment in our lives. So we all find ways to meet these needs, whether you... You know, we're all doing things for essentially for the same reasons. Whether you're a terrorist and you kill people or you're someone that's trying to help humanity and save the world, both of those people are doing it for the same needs, the same reasons, but they each have their, a different way of organizing their ways of meeting those needs. So the person that's killing people to, make, to, to meet some of these needs, they have different belief systems, different values, different ways of filtering the world and organizing things within their psyche in order to do that versus someone that's trying to save the world and make a difference in the world is also meeting those same needs, but they have different beliefs, different values, different way of operating themselves and, and filtering th those uh, belief systems and their model of the world than the person that's doing the negative thing. So 
Let's dive into what they are. So the first need that we all have as human beings is a need for certainty, a need to feel secure, a need to feel safe, a need to feel comfortable. Certainty. That's an essential core human need that we all have as a need to survive. The second need is a need for uncertainty, variety, excitement, surprise. Now, if you knew everything that was going to happen in your life and you're totally certain about everything, you knew what was going to happen and when it was going to happen, you'd be bored. So that's why the variety, the uncertainty piece is also very important as well, right? So we have this as a need. You know, if you, again, just are eating the same meal every single day, you know, your favorite meal, steak, you have that day in, day out, eventually you're going to get bored and you're going to desire some variety. So certainty and uncertainty are two human needs that will find ways to meet whether you're consciously aware of it or not. Some people, they meet the need of certainty by trying to control their world, you know, try to have certainty over their life and, you know, have control over things and save their money and make smart, intelligent decisions so they can feel certain about things. They overthink things and analyze things or, you know, they go to the gym and exercise and take care of themselves so they can feel certain about their health and their well-being. And ways that people meet variety you know, people meet variety to, you know, watch a different movie or to entertain themselves or to smoke a cigarette, you know, or drink alcohol or to travel the world or to start a business or to meet different people. You know, all variety, different ways that you can meet this need for variety and certainty, some of which that are positive, some of them that are not as positive, some of them that can be disempowering to you in your life. So for example, you can meet the need of certainty by smoking a cigarette or drinking alcohol and having, let's say, an addiction because it makes you feel relaxed. It gives you a sense of certainty and calmness in your life and just helps you have kind of, you know, feel safe and comfortable uh, by providing that gratification for yourself. So we got certainty, we got uncertainty. The third need is the need for significance, to feel special, unique, important in some way. Some people do that by trying to build their brand, to try to build their name, to try to make a lot of money, to get a lot of followers, or to get a nice car, or to get a nice home, or to get a very attractive you know, husband or wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, or to get a six-pack, to look a certain way, or to post things about themselves on social media, you know, or to get a bunch of piercings and tattoos makes them feel significant, you know, or to win awards. There's a whole variety of ways that human beings do to try to meet this need for significance. The fourth need is of connection and love. Now, uh, we all have this need deep down inside ingrained in us to feel this love. Love is oxygen for the soul. For a lot of people, love is scary. Love means that you have to be open, vulnerable, and you can get hurt. So many people, they settle for connection instead. Connection can be more safe, but you don't really experience the full deep love of what we all really crave and desire. But many people, they operate in a way where they believe that they need to be significant first in order to get love. So love most often is the target that many people are after, but they sequentially set up their need structure in a way that I need to first feel important, I need to first get great grades, become successful, build a great career, make a lot of money, and then I feel worthy of love. Instead of other people, instead, they actually 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. ...value love and organize that a higher sequentially than significance. And regardless of what they achieve, regardless of what they do, they feel love anyway. They feel love, they give love, they express love even if they feel insignificant. So we're gonna talk a little bit more about how we organize these needs, okay, because that has a huge influence on how you, how you live your life and your behavior and your psychology and whatnot. So we got certainty, we got uncertainty, we got um, significance, we got connection and love. Those are the needs of the personality. These are our survival needs. The fifth need is a need for growth. If you're not growing, then you're dying. You know, so it's an essential need for us to expand and grow and, and uh, become more as human beings. The last need is of contribution. If you don't contribute beyond yourself, then most often you get weeded out by evolution because in order you to procreate with someone else and to raise and develop a human being, a child requires a level of contribution. So many ways you can contribute by giving you know, acts of kindness, kindness giving compliments, uh, you know, being a philanthropist, donating money, donating time, building a business, contributing to you know, customers and followers and over-delivering, building raving fans, contributing in your relationship, contributing to your kids, many ways that you can do that as well. So how does this relate to comparison? Now, what I'll say is what I've learned from Tony Robbins is that while we all have these six human needs, we all value them differently. There's a different hierarchy that I have than what you have. So for example, if you, for example, value significance as your top need that you want to meet above all else, you're going to live a very different life and you're going to operate differently. You're going to make different decisions than someone that values, let's say, growth as their top need or love as their top need. So if you value significance, then what's going to happen is you're always going to feel this need to become significant, to become more than, to be the you know, most successful person in the room, to have more money, to have other people perceive you in a way where you feel superior to other people, that you're higher status, that you, know, you have nice things and expensive clothes and you have a nice car and a beautiful home and all those kind of things that make you feel significant the problem with that though, the problem when you value significance so highly above everything else is that when you feel insignificant, then you feel less than and you're always comparing yourself to others because you know, you value significance, you're looking at other people to see how do you compare to them? Who's higher up on that hierarchy? Who's more significant than me? And when you find someone that is, that you perceive as being more significant, you feel less than. 
So just by having this need as one of your top needs out of the six that I mentioned, you're setting yourself up to suffer in this way where you're always going to compare yourself and you're always going to feel like you're not enough or feel insignificant at times when you're around people or you look at people that you perceive as having more than you. So that need can serve you in some ways where it helps drive you to become more significant. It's useful in that context, but it comes with this aspect of suffering as well. And that suffering, not everybody is willing to let go of. Many people are comfortable with the suffering of feeling not enough or feeling insignificant because that's what can drive them to become even more significant. You know, and there's many examples if you look in the world like a Donald Trump, very driven by significance, you know, always needs to be number one, always needs to have his name posted everywhere and, you know, be that kind of person. So he's operating from that need and as a result, he finds a way to become more significant and, but in my opinion, it has a huge detriment to one's happiness and fulfillment. So that's why you have to determine, is there something that you're going to value more than the significance where you get to a point where you're willing to let that go on some level and not value significance as much. And if you start to lower your importance and value that you give to feeling significant and instead you replace it with something like love and you value love more than significance, in my opinion, you have a much more happiness, much more joy than you otherwise would have if you just value significance above love. Most often, for example, when you value significance above love, then you're not going to give your love to other people. You, if you're in a marriage or a relationship, you're not going to give your love as much to your partner or to your kids if you feel insignificant. You only give it when you feel significant. You know? Or for example, with certainty. If you value certainty as your top need, and let's say you also value growth, the problem is then you're only going to grow in ways when you feel first certain comfortable, and then you're going to grow. If you feel uncertain, then you're not going to grow. But the dichotomy with that is that most of growth is through uncertainty, is through being uncomfortable, right? So you're actually trying to grow, but only in a way that's controlled. You're trying to calculate your risks. You're trying to make sure that you don't get too uncomfortable. And so you have people, for example, that just read books or go to seminars where it's safe and comfortable to learn and grow, but they're not really growing because they're not pushing their comfort zone. And the real growth is when you get out there and you fail or you make mistakes and you do what scares you. You know, you're afraid of public speaking, get up and do it. You know, rather than when you value certainty above growth, you're going to read about public speaking. You're going to be less likely to get up there and feel uncertain in front of an audience. And that's really how you're going to grow the most though. So many people, they feel stifled in that way because of that need structure and how they value things. If you value certainty, for example, above love, well, that means that you're only going to give love when you first feel certain, when you feel safe, when you feel secure. When you feel uncertain, then you're no longer going to give your love. You're going to withhold it. You're going to try to protect it. You're going to try to preserve your love. But on the other hand, if someone value, there's people out there that value love more than significance, more than uh, certainty, more than anything else. Guess what? Even when they're uncertain, they give love. Even when they feel insignificant, they still give love. You know, because that's what they value above significance and certainty. So that shift in your hierarchy of needs makes a tremendous difference. Someone that values growth above certainty, they're always going to find ways to grow. They're going to constantly push their comfort zone 
even when they feel totally uncertain, even when they're scared, they're still going to do it because they value the growth so much more than the certainty. So what I'm trying to explain to you is these needs and the hierarchy really determines how we live our lives. And one of the root reasons, the root causes of why some people compare themselves more to you know, other people than others do is because they value significance much highly on that list, too highly on that list, either number one or number two. Now, you can still value significance maybe at number three or number four on that list and value love and contribution and growth, you know, these needs that are, I think, more sustainable to us in terms of being happy but also allowing us to achieve success because you still are going to value significance, but it's just not going to be number one or number two. So for those of you that are afraid, oh my gosh, if I don't, you know, operate in this way of significance, then I'm no longer going to be number one. I'm no longer going to be successful. I'm no longer going to have that drive and that hunger. That's not true. You can still achieve and create things out of your life, but do it in a way where you're more happy, more fulfilled, and you experience the love and the growth and uh, variety and contribution. And I think one of the best strategies to actually create success in your life and create wealth is by valuing contribution more. Because if you value contribution, you're always going to think about others, how I can serve others, how I can create a better product, how can I deliver more to my employer, to my boss, to my community, to the world? How can I innovate things and make things better? And guess what happens is success becomes a byproduct of that because you're helping other people and you're creating products and services and you're over-delivering and you're contributing and you get rewarded financially. You get rewarded by other people making you feel significant because of all the good that you're doing. Or if you value growth as one of your top ones, then you're always going to think about how I can make things better. How can I improve myself? How can I become more? How can I improve my business, my product, my skill sets, my character? How can I improve that? And as a result, when you grow and you continuously improve yourself, your product, your business, your career, etc., as a result, money, wealth, success is a byproduct of that. It just tends to follow that. And most often, as you continue to grow, people make you significant. You know, the, one of my favorite sayings is that you get rewarded in public for the thousands of hours that you practice in private. You know, so when you are growing and working on yourself and you become, you, you, you are just trying to become the best version of yourself, other people perceive that person and like, wow, they give you significance. They give you, they put you on the pedestal. You know, like a great athlete, you know, they're working on their craft day in, day out. They're not caught up in all the other stuff of significance. As a result, you know, people revere that person. People give that person rewards. People acknowledge and reinforce that person for the growth and the mentality that, that they've had. So in order to free yourself from this um, significance, valuing it and comparing yourself, then it requires a shift in your values. It requires a shift in the hierarchy of which you're valuing those needs. And it requires you looking at other needs that I've mentioned and deciding, okay, I'm going to start to value growth more or love more. And I'm going to start to operate in that way. And I'm going to look at things differently than I did before. Instead of trying to achieve to be happy, I'm instead going to try to happily achieve. And I'm going to focus on just growing and not get caught up in the significance. I'm going to grow. I'm going to contribute. And sure enough, people will make you significant. So that's one root and something that you can shift. And that was something that I became very aware of in my life through the work of Tony Robbins. And I saw that overvaluing significance for me, which was number one or number two, was creating a lot of pain and suffering in my life. 
and I was able to shift it over time to valuing growth more. And now at this stage of my life, I don't really value significance as much as I did before. You know, it's not even in my top three, I'd say. Um, you know, I, for example, many of you guys that follow me know that, um, you know, like for example, to build my YouTube channel and you know, it was once a time where I was consumed by that, you know, getting all the followers and views and the numbers and, you know, comparing myself to other people. And I went to these marketing conferences because everyone would talk about, oh, I'm doing seven figures and that guy's doing eight figures per year. And that person that has this kind of conversion rate. And, you know, there's always this significance mode uh, of these, amongst these entrepreneurs and marketers that I was um, around. But I eventually had to get to a point where I decided, you know what, I'm going to shift my values here and I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let go. And one of the ways that I did that is I walked away from, you know, I had a business with Project Life Mastery and other businesses where I was making a couple million dollars a year. And I decided, you know what, my happiness, my development, my spiritual growth is much more important than this material thing called money and the significance of having all these views and subscribers. So I'm going to intentionally give that up, at least for a time being, you know, temporary period so that I can focus on developing myself in other ways. And so I stopped publishing videos. You know, I stopped, you know, selling products. I stopped doing the things that was making me millions of dollars. I saw my income go down and down and down. And I learned to just be okay with that. I learned to let that go and not be attached to that as much. I learned to change my identity, change my whole value structure to instead of trying to chase things and become more and always try to achieve and being this dopaminergetic, dopamine kind of mindset, I learned just to enjoy the present. You know, I don't need anything more in my life. I can just enjoy my life and be present with my life and just be with the here and now. And that was a huge shift for me where I've been able to develop myself and become a lot more whole, a lot more developed as a human being, much more... Uh, depth and spiritual growth that I went through. So that's one model that, again, I encourage you to dive more into if that resonates with you in any way. The last thing I want to share, which relates to that, is learning to understand the ego. We all have an ego. The ego is that survival part of ourselves. The ego is that animal brain. It's the part of us that is trying to ensure our survival. It's trying to keep us safe, protected at all times. Our ego is the part of ourselves that are trying to meet the needs for certainty, security, right? To meet the need to feel significant and important and to compete and to climb that dominance hierarchy to be number one, to be high up there because that's what ensures our survival. Now, <clears throat> the ego is also made up of these belief systems that we have about ourselves and the world and also this identity that we've created for ourselves, which is just the beliefs about who we are. And the ego is always trying to preserve that because it believes that these beliefs and this kind of um, map of the world that you've created and constructed is essential for your survival. And anything that threatens that, any, any uh, person, for example, that is more superior than you is a threat to your survival. So it's going to have defenses. It's going to put up a wall. It's going to come up with reasons and justifications to try to attack that person or to, you know, do something to try to preserve that in some way, shape or form. So that's the ego being attacked when it perceives someone else as having more than you. So, um, so this ego that we, we have, it's very, again, it's egocentric. So it means that we're focused on ourselves. And one of the ways that you can grow beyond the ego and dissolve parts of it is one, becoming more conscious, 
raising your consciousness. If you're familiar with uh, some videos I've done in the past about spiral dynamics or David Hawkins' map of consciousness, there's different levels of human consciousness. Um, a more generalized way of looking at it is there's egocentric, that's you just being focused on yourself, your own world, becoming significant, becoming important, protecting yourself. That's very egocentric, survival-based. A level beyond that is being ethnocentric. This is where you can step outside yourself and your own needs, and now you're focused also on the needs of others within your community. Ethnocentric could be your family, it could be your community, it could be your neighborhood, it could be your country, it could be your race, it could be your religion, right? So you have to expand your consciousness to now caring more about a group outside just yourself. And when you do that, you're dissolving um, the parts of the ego that are just obsessed with its own well-being, its own survival. Beyond ethnocentric is world-centric. This is now where you've even kind of separate, you've kind of um, dissolved the separation and the duality the ego creates of comparing yourself to others, you know, because most often the ego, the ego is what creates this comparison, right? The ego is what creates separation. The ego is what creates, you know, my religion is better than your religion or my race is better than your race. It's all this egos, you know, uh, egocentric viewpoint of trying to survive and try to protect yourself. But when you get to world-centric or even beyond that spirit-centric, you no longer see that separation. You believe we're just one with everyone. You know, we're one with the world, that we're all the human race. You know, we're all human beings. You know, you and I, were brothers and sisters. You know, we are the same, essentially. Let's focus on more of what we have in common and the sameness and the oneness that exists between us rather than the small percentage of which are the differences and what creates separation between us. So as you become more conscious, as you dissolve that ego, you become more loving, more accepting, less judgmental towards everyone. And as a result, you feel more connected, you feel happier, more joyful, and it's a really beautiful thing. So raising your consciousness, the more conscious you are, the higher that you climb up that map of consciousness, the less you're gonna compare yourself to others. And a, a simple technique, it's simple, but requires maybe some understanding because it's so simple that your ego might just dismiss it. Simple technique is called letting go, surrender. It's what all religions speak about, letting go and surrender. You know, whether that's surrendering to God, surrendering to a higher power, surrendering to life, surrendering and just trying to let go, trying to control things and be significant and just learn to let it go and let things be and recognize that you are safe everything's fine, that you don't need to protect yourself in the same way as you did before because the animal brain is outdated. The animal brain was useful thousands of years ago when you know we had legitimate threats that we need to protect ourselves from, but in this day and age, we don't have those same threats, and so we can just learn to let go. Let go of your attachment to being right. Let go of trying to control things. Let go of trying to be number one. Let go of trying to be significant and having more money than everyone else or you know, this whole um, belief system that you've adopted and was conditioned into from your parents. Just let it be, let it go. Give you some resources for this if you want to dive more into it because uh, I've done some videos on letting go on Project Life Master you can dive into, but some books would be David Hawkins, uh, one called Power Versus Force, which goes into the map of consciousness. Transcending the Levels of Consciousness is another one of his books that I love. Goes through each level of consciousness, explains the ego, 
relative to the lower levels and how to transcend to higher levels of consciousness where you dissolve the ego. He's got a book called Letting Go, which is one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, Also books that teach letting go would be The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. Uh, The Sedona Method is another book that teaches letting go. Uh, And there's other books that also teach levels of consciousness like Spiral Dynamics, um, like uh, Levels of Energy by, I think, Frederick uh, Dodson. Um, uh, The Sedona Method even kind of goes into Lester Levinson's. He has a similar map of consciousness. So if you want to dive more into the ego and dissolving it and raising your consciousness, then you can definitely do that. And that's one way that will eradicate this root survival aspect of yourself where you're comparing yourself to other people. And not only will it free you from that, but what I'm sharing here and also with the need structure, reorganizing that, it'll create a global change in your life. So a global change, oftentimes when I'm working on myself or someone else, I'm not interested in just treating the symptom. I'm looking at not just solving the problem, but what's creating the problem in the first place. We change that you change the psychology, it not only changes that specific surface level problem, let's say comparing itself to others, but it actually eradicates and solves many other problems because it changes the model of the world of which you're operating with and it frees yourself from a lot of suffering and also contributes to a totally different life. Now, easier said than done. It's not easy to make these big, deep shifts within ourselves. It can take time. It can take more awareness and understanding. Um, but I believe, you know, for me at least, on this path of self-actualization, which by the way, if you're even familiar with Abraham Maslow, this is relevant to that as well, the survival needs that he teaches and eventually going to self-actualization. If that's something that you're committed to at different stages of your life, then these are resources and a path that you might want to go down. Otherwise, you're always going to operate in a way where you feel insecure, you feel not enough, And yes, it can serve you to a certain point in your life, but you have to really look at whether or not that's going to help you actualize into the life that you really want to create for yourself. So I'll end this here. I told you it was going to get deep. I struggle sometimes in explaining these things because I don't have a script. I don't have notes or anything. And uh, these are very deep things um, that I'm even working out for myself in my mind as I'm trying to explain them. And so sometimes a little bit repetitive or feel like I don't articulate things the way that I'd like to because it's right at the edge of my vocabulary. And um, yeah, it's a little bit harder for me to elaborate on. Um, and that's why I share these resources with you as well so that if they do interest you, if this does re- resonate with you in some way, shape, or form, you can dive deeper into it and go down that path as well. So provided a lot of different ideas for you, a lot of different reasons and ways to look at things. And um, um Let me know what you think in the comments. Share your thoughts. Share if anything resonated with you. Uh, Perhaps I can go deeper into um, some of these ideas more in the future as well because I think it relates to many other challenges that I see people have in their lives and um, can be very powerful when you make some of these shifts that I'm describing. So thank you so much for watching and being here. If you enjoyed it, of course, give it a thumbs up. Subscribe for more. And I look forward to seeing you in another video. God bless you. Be well. I'll see you again soon.